not the one. So, hello. Good morning, afternoon, evening. Welcome to Oklahoma Strange. Today I'm joined by... Michael. Per usual. Again, we tried to coordinate with executive producer Andrew Wilmers, but uh, he is in a place with no signal, and so that's no good. You might hear some stuff. We've got cats moving around, um, and the window is open, so sorry. Also, you may hear wind noises because uh, our house has cracks in it, so it just comes through. Speaking of cats, moose, you jerk. Um, so, today I'm going to talk about a murder that was suggested to me by one of my cool, my cool workers. I mean, I guess, yeah, he works in the office. He's pretty cool. Um, I'm at a job. Yup, 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 yup. So, um, yeah, he told me I should look into this, and now it's a topic. And when I was writing it, I was angry enough to bend my pen somehow. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Trigger warnings. Yeah, we're going to talk about a really horrific murder-rape assault, so let's get to it. Ha-ha! Um, uh, Heather... <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Heather Rose Rich was born January 19th, 1980, and she was the third child of four and the only daughter of Gail and Dwayne Rich. So the middle child, but not the middle child. Kinda, yeah. She loved horses, as most Oklahoma girls in small towns do. And she was also a talented musician. Her family described her as a naive girl with a big heart. Oh. I know. <sighs> what? Nothing the coroner would only know. I don't want to, yeah, no, anyway, so we're going to get to this. Um, she was popular and did well in school, and some say that it was a facade and she was actually troubled. She began acting out, as many kids do in small, boring towns, with little to do, especially for youth, unless you have money to do 4-H or Roundup Club or whatever. Boy Scouts, and... Girl Scouts, yeah, trust me, I did Boy Scouts and still got into trouble. So, yeah, in 1996, her sophomore year at Warica, she displayed troublesome behavior. Sorry, I had to let a cat out. My bad. Troublesome behavior. And in the end of September, she was suspended for three days with another girl for being noticeably drunk during a cheerleading performance on the sidelines of a football game. Um, hopefully it wasn't, like, during, like, a pyramid. Right, I was thinking <laughs> of the tumblers and what if she was a flyer or if she was a base. Either way, it's not going to go well. Um, but maybe it was just one of their little dances. And she just couldn't keep and it up? And just maybe she stumbled a bit more than the... Than average 16 year old would and so she got suspended from cheerleading as well as school she was still a favorite for homecoming court which was due around october 11th of that year okay. so just like two weeks like, after she got suspended they thought she was probably going to be on homecoming court popularity <laughs> thing that's not a right well i feel like if you're suspended at the time you can't 
you probably couldn't serve on the court because you're suspended from school activities. Uh, anyway. Um, however, on October 2nd, around 11 p.m., she snuck out of her house to meet a senior at a senior from Warica High School named Joshua Bagwell. They were supposed to meet in a trailer park near Bagwell's grandfather's home, oh, which is where he lived. Which is weird, because most people don't have that many, like, I've only heard of, like, one, excluding this one, like, bad thing happening in a trailer park, but that's how a lot of those horror stories begin. Um, well, I mean, I have many stories of leaving my house after dark in high school, but I didn't have to sneak out. My parents were pretty liberal like that. It's weird. They're really liberal on stuff like that, and then really, really strict on other things that just don't add up. Um, and... But none of the stories I have from going to a trailer park as a teen are even really notable, like... I might have done it a few times. But then you gotta think, how many hundreds or thousands of Oklahoma ladies and ladies have a story that starts like that? And luckily, doesn't end this way. <laughs> right. Because um, when I was 16, 17, the most I would do was like smoke a little herb or get a little drunk and then call into work or ditch a few morning classes right like <laughs> just like or take an extra long lunch maybe um which i'm sure is what heather had anticipated but you know what i have anticipated apparently i haven't it's ads oh What's oh really yeah funny the money is makers this is the second time we've had to record this and it's the same lead up every time. I love you so much. I love you also. This is really fun. <laughs> hey there. Chase Vegas here. And I'm Cassidy Queerface. And we are. The Uncanny Dispatch. <laughs> We're a dark comedy podcast that brings you stories of murder, mysteries, the mystical, and the macabre. We've done all sorts of stories so far. A werewolf exorcism, UFOs that burn people, an English prophetess. <laughs> oh yeah, and all the murder. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Name the app. We're on it. Search for Uncanny Dispatch. Oh, and all you social media users, uh, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Once again, the Uncanny Dispatch. You want to hear something horrible? <laughs> you know I do. Uh, apparently, I'm like five or six minutes behind on... Oh, ahead of you hitting play. Oh, yeah. Or record. Yeah. But yeah. You just assume... I love that you just assume everything is recorded during this time. It's really fun. It's really it fun. It is, because I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, on October 2nd, 16-year-old Heather had snuck out to meet Joshua Bagwell. A senior at her high school sometime around 11 p.m., obviously. When she arrived, Bagwell and his friends, Randy Wood, a former boyfriend of Heather's, and Curtis Gamble were already drunk and, you know, hanging out and whatever. One of them had called her to invite her out to party. 
oh yeah come over and party yeah. with three dudes one per- Dude, and one lady okay yeah and, yeah that's never a good ratio no like it, especially when it's teenagers very rarely do good happy things happen and i'm not like trying to be a gen- it's just statistically yeah um so when she got there gamble and wood left for over an hour and she was left with Bagwell under the pretense that she and Bagwell were on their first date. Hmm. Which, honestly, meeting a dude in a trailer to drink has been a first date for me more than once. So, I think that's just like an Oklahoma form of courting. <laughs> wow. And that's probably one of the reasons why we have one of the highest, like, sex trafficking. <laughs> I mean, that... We've also got outrageous statistics for teenage alcoholics because there's nothing to do here and you know addicts like there's nothing to do um (laughs) come on when you take drugs it was really yeah we're not going to talk about drugs right now so when i was 16 i did i did shit like this yeah so it's really hard for me to not be like oh my god that could have been me like there were dudes that i hung out with that i was just like yeah i'm gonna go drink with tyler da 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 and like didn't give it a second thought and now that i'm older and have more experience i'm like my parents knew where i was and they let me go do this (laughs) like with a 24 year old man They'd let me go to his apartment and drink. Like, I don't... Anyway. So anyway. Um. So they left for over... The buddies left for over an hour. And Gamble and would come back. And they found a half-empty bottle of gin. And Heather and Bagwell were both naked and wasted. Uh, The dudes later describe Heather as quote, largely insensible, but Bagwell also tries to claim they had consensual sex. So, if she's insensible, how the fuck can that be consensual? Agreed. Like... If she is not in her... If she does not have her senses, how can she consent? And that's the beginning of this... Right. This is the first little marker I have about this. So... I'm glad you picked a good timing for ad break. Like, right before it got rough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, according to Wood's <coughs> testimony, the three wannabe frat bros began, quote, goading each other to sexually assault Heather while she was once again naked and largely insensible. It's... Like a like half awake drunk sixteen year old girl. Right. And granted, they're the the boys, men, people responsible for this are between the ages of sixteen and nineteen. So same age, but should still definitely fucking know better. Right. <clears throat> Apparently, Wood sexually assaulted her. So there was not full penetration, but um, there was assault. 
And Gamble eventually did full-on rape her while she was only semi-conscious. And Gamble after was the... The oldest. Um, he... Well, the guy that... Not the... Her... Not Bagwell. Bagwell's the one that she was on the date with. Okay. Gamble is, a, is the 19-year-old. He's the oldest in this situation. Okay. Um, and after Gamble raped her, she regained a bit more consciousness and began moaning, screaming, and crying. You know, like a rape victim might. Right. That's normally consent ended a while ago. So, of course, these pieces of shit were then scared that she would, you know, tell people that she was raped. Um, so Gamble decided to murder her. He, quote, successfully persuaded, end quote, would to help Bagwell partake in the murder. Um, so Bagwell, from what I've read, was fully knowing and willing participant in this. And yeah. Wood was the one who was persuaded. Okay. And Randy Wood is the youngest. He's 16 also. Same age as Heather. Okay. Um, and Bagwell is 17. I believe. Um, so Wood said that Gamble pointed a shotgun at him and ordered him to redress Heather and care and help um Bagwood carry him or carry Heather to Bagwell's grandpa's truck. Okay. So Bagwell drove around southeast Oklahoma aimlessly for over an hour as Gamble rambled and raved about how they would have to kill her. So, Bagwell volunteered his grandparents' property again, since it was isolated and there was a lot of it. And Gamble didn't like that and said if she was found, they would be caught, um, you know, as they deserve to be. Right. <clears throat> so, Gamble took over driving and headed to a cement bridge in Belknap Creek, Texas. Just on the other side of the Red River. Mm, so now it's a federal crime. Yes. And honestly, the feds, I feel like, are the only reason why anything ever got fucking done. Um, so, they drive to this bridge, and they get to the bridge, and Gamble grabs his shotgun, orders Bagwell and Wood to get her out, and put her on the side of the road. And so, Bagwell and Wood carried her to the side of the bridge, and when they put her down, she... Gamble shot her in the head and torso as she was lying on the ground. Damn. Mm-hmm. Wood later claimed he was in the truck when Gamble walked over to Heather with his gun, and Wood claims to have covered his face before hearing one shot followed by several more. He said Gamble appeared, quote, dazed at what he'd done, end quote. Then Bagwell used Heather's shoelace to tie a rock to her body to weigh her down in the water. They threw her into the creek under the bridge and tried to conceal the blood stains from, you know, the gunshots by throwing and kicking soil across the ground. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the next morning, October 3rd, Gail and Dwayne reported Heather missing. They noted her bed had not been slept in and none of her personal items were touched or missing. Um, the Jefferson County Sheriff Department assumed she had run away temporarily due to an argument about a phone bill with her mom, even though none of her belongings were gone. Sidebar. Um, 
the phone bill was $300. I once caused like $400, $500 bill because of texting. Yeah. Um, I wanted to run away, uh, but I also would have taken at least some clothes, right? Yeah, at least one. At least a change of clothes. So the cops tell Gail her daughter was probably at a friend's and to go wait at home. And Gail's response, such a mom response, and she told them, when your daughter is missing, you can stay at home. And she began her own investigations. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm, around Warica. She even hired a private investigator. Damn. Um, because obviously you can't really trust cops to do their jobs unless they're on your payroll. Right. And what page are we on? Uh, that was the second page. We're not quite halfway. Okay. So, about a week after being reported missing on October 10th, Heather Rich's body was found by a rancher and his daughter. She was partially submerged in the Red River. And because Gamble had shot her so many times with a shotgun at close range, and because of decomposition, she was basically unrecognizable, and she had to be identified by a ring her father had given her on her 16th birthday. Wow. Mm -hmm. Like her torso and face. Yeah. Decomp would <clears throat> ruin finger, finger and toe prints. Yeah. And I do have another autopsy report se segment thing. The ME determined Heather had been shot nine times with an M9 Winchester shotgun and that pellets from buckshot rounds were fired, hitting the back of her head, lower back, waist, pelvis, and buttocks. This aligns with the crime scene evidence, and Heather was face down when shot. At least her death was almost in instantaneous. Right. He did start with her head. Which, if you're gonna have a silver lining, I guess... There's that. Um, the funeral was only four days after the discovery of her body. Um, and the murderers had not been arrested yet. They, they were still investigating. So, Heather's family forbade everyone but immediate family from touching the coffin. Gail promised her only daughter that whoever did this would never be able to touch her again. Damn. Fourteen different investigators were assigned to investigate the murder. Now that they knew she didn't just run away. Oh my gosh. I really hope that Gail and Dwayne Rich own a large part of Jefferson County now. Like, I know that won't bring their daughter back, but I sincerely hope one of them at least beat the shit out of whichever deputy dip, like, dipshit told them she probably ran away. I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. That's not how, you know, the real world works and whatever. But I like to imagine that, like, one of them just, like, made that fucking deputy shit teeth. So, how many Oklahoma cops does it take to solve a 1996 murder? 14. With help from the FBI, since the murders crossed oh, state so lines. It involves so kidnapping. probably the uh, FBI did most of the genuine work and gave the credit to the county cops? Yes. Wow. And the FBI was involved because they technically crossed state lines. Right. Into Texas. So it was federal kidnapping. So the first week after the discovery of her body, uh, no one 
would tell the investigators much about who or where Heather socialized with and whatnot. But the second week, they got a lead from her best friend about Heather going to party with classmate Joshua Luke Bagwell at his home with his grandparents. Initially, Bagwell claimed neither he nor Randy Wood had seen Heather on October 2nd. And Bagwell and Wood had already been interrogated by Gail because mom's fucking no shit. She already knew. Yeah. Um, when the cops refused to do their job, like, mom, but what the fuck else are you going to do? Seriously. Um, Bagwell and Wood claimed they drank whiskey and played dominoes until 6 a.m. October 3rd. <sighs> but the buckshot rounds that were used ended up being a distinct brand. And only one place in Warrico sold them. Hmm. The owners. Walmart. In... No. <laughs> this is before Walmart was like everywhere, everywhere. Um, the owners informed investigators that just days before the murder, 20 rounds of that specific type were purchased by one Joshua Bagwell in the company of another young male. And slam. Yep. So investigators then learn. Bagwell mostly hung out with 19-year-old dropout Curtis Allen Gamble, mm -hmm. who did the shooting, as far as we know, and they regularly hunted together. On October 24th, Gamble was arrested. He was questioned for eight hours, and he agreed to a polygraph test, which he failed. I know polygraphs aren't, you aren't allowed in court, but... Back then they were. Yeah. Um, so he failed. Um... And also allowed his shotgun to be tested for ballistic fingerprinting, which determined his Winchester shotgun had, in fact, been the Werner weapon. So he's basically like, yeah, you can polygraph me. Uh, yeah, you can test my gun, thinking, what, that he's not going to get caught? I don't understand. So after that, Gamble confessed to being a participant in the murder and named Bagwell and Wood as fellow murderers. According to Gamble's version, Wood had instigated the actual murder. Wood is 16, by the way. Um, and Gamble and Bagwell were just following the directions of the 16-year-old, even though they're 17 and 19. Right. So Gamble claimed Wood was angry that Heather would not have sex with him after having sex with Bagwell. Um, and... <laughs> Sexual jealousy is literally listed as the as the motive in that particular statement, and it's ridiculous. Just wow. Everything about it is just so fucking far fetched. Icky. I like icky better. <laughs> Bagwell and Wood were also arrested on October twenty fourth, nineteen ninety six. By the way, good. And Bagwell was the only smart one, invoking his right to remain silent. Uh, while. <laughs> And so while he was not saying a word, Wood was willingly providing a written statement confessing to participate, confessing to participating, but adamantly claiming Gamble was the true instigator of the entire crime and that Gamble had shot and killed Heather. Wood also added that Bagwell was a knowing and willing participant. 
Wood said he didn't think Gamble was wholly serious in vocalizing his intent to end Heather's life while they were driving around aimlessly until they parked on the bridge. Wood also took a polygraph test, and that corroborated his statement. Yeah. So the initial arrest was for kidnapping in Oklahoma, and the three were held without bail. Um, and, and the next day, <laughs> they were charged with first-degree murder in Montague County, Texas. So That's where the FBI were doing all their work. And the trials were held in Texas. Oh, yeah, they're fucked. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, let's will out that chair and nuke them. Kind of, sort of. I mean, not quite, but we'll get there, we'll get there. So, Curtis Gamble's trial started October 17th, 1997, about a year <sighs> and a few weeks after her body was found. And his trial was in Fort Sill. He accepted a plea bargain. He pleaded guilty to avoid the death penalty. He was found guilty and sentenced to life with possibility of parole after 30 years. Um, and in this plea bargain, he agreed to testify against Bagwell. So when Bagwell... Which one? Who was turning? What? Who flipped? Okay, so Bagwell, the, the old... No. Gamble, the oldest, 19-year-old, mm -hmm. pled guilty in a plea bargain um, to avoid the death penalty in okay. Texas, which is probably not a bad move. He is the one who did the shooting, according to Wood. And mm -hmm. according to, you know, all the evidence. So he accepted it. And he said that he would testify against Bagwell, who was the guy she was supposed to be on a date with, who's 17. And, hit, and Bagwell's trial started in February, the year after Gamble takes the plea. And he first tried to deny all culpability. He said he had consensual sex with Heather. He left for a short time um, after Gamble and Wood came back. And that when he came back, Gamble and Wood were discussing killing Heather. He also said that, though, <laughs> that, okay, he also said he thought they were driving around to help sober Heather up before taking her back to her home. Okay. Um, and in true bros before hoes fashion, I fucking guess, at Bagwell's trial, Gamble backpedaled to his original statement blaming Wood. So, he fucked up his plea bargain. Yep. Randy Wood accepted a plea bargain, but the evening before he was due to testify against Bagwell, he rejected the bar bargain. He said, quote, or no, he rejected the bargain against, you know, all the advice in the world from his defense attorney, saying he wanted to testify against Bagwell without any preconditions, despite risking longer imprisonment and even the death penalty. He wanted to prove that his testimony was true because Damn. he didn't want less prison time or not the death penalty yeah, he to was, be like he a bribe type of situation. About it. Yeah. And so <laughs> he was like, yeah, like I want this asshole in prison too and so from what i can tell that's how it comes across in the way that the articles are written and so wood's testimony placed blame on gamble as the orchestrator and actual murderer while bag bagwell just fully and willingly participated and followed directions 
Um, Bagwell messed up on the stand the next day after Wood's testimony, though, and said, quote, Curtis, sorry, I mean Randy, lowering the gun, end quote. So he even named um, Gamble as the person with the gun on the stand and was like, oh, wait, no, I'm just kidding. I mean the other guy. So Bagwell was convicted of capital murder on February 14th, 1998. That's a Valentine's Day to remember, you motherfucker. He received a mandatory life sentence with an additional 99 years for conspiracy to commit murder. Damn. So fuck you for life and 99 more years, just in case. Gotta be stuck in prison staring at an empty cell Yeah. for 99 more years after you die. Randy Wood was also tried for capital murder in 1998. He declined a second plea deal against his attorney's advice again. He pled not guilty because he had neither intended for the murder of Heather, nor did he physically take her life. But he was also found guilty and sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole starting in 2036. So 40 years. Or 40 years from the day of the murder. Like 38 years, I guess. Um, January 2002, Gamble and Bagwell were transferred from state prison back to Montague County uh, Jail for Gamble to stand trial for conspiracy to commit murder, where he was found guilty and sentenced to a second uh, lifelong term. Cumulative, not concurrent, meaning he will die in prison. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, but while they were being held in the county jail... Gambit and Bill, along with two other inmates, escaped briefly with help from Bagwell's family. So that's cute. They were arrested after nine days in Ardmore, Oklahoma, and they even held somebody hostage at a gas station for several hours before surrendering. Wow. And we're still not done. We're still not done. <laughs> In 2009, Randy Wood's cousin started a campaign to commute Wood's life sentence. The campaign was actually endorsed and supported by the original prosecutor, uh, Tim Cole, who regretted not just charging Wood with only conspiracy to commit murder instead of capital murder, but he didn't have a choice. Right. Unfortunately, the sheriff and district judge, as well as the Montague County DA at the time, were unwilling to reduce his sentence. So he's still in until at least 2036, probably longer, because usually if you're a teenager who gets tried as an adult for a murder, you never get out. They just right. keep you in there. They just deny you parole. Um, that's usually how it goes. Um, so I was specifically told to look into Joshua Bagwell by guy at my office, whom I thoroughly enjoy talking to. So, shout out to you, my dude. I don't know if you want me to name drop or not, so I'm not going to do it just to be on the safe side. Because I don't have a big, like, listenership, but you never know. So, anyway. <clears throat> he was born... Uh, Joshua Bagwell was born December 21st, 1978. And his parents are, are among the wealthiest landowners in southern Oklahoma. And because they're... Mm, that's probably why he thought he was all good <coughs> getty, huh? <clears throat> uh, yes. The, his parents had good jobs, but they worked a lot, so they weren't home. So he was largely raised by his grandparents. That's where he was living at yeah. the time. 
Um. <laughs> Whew. That October, Bagwell had was a senior at Warica and had received six new cars to just drive. Okay. Wait, Bagwell was the oldest one, right? No. The middle kid. Bagwell is the guy who she went to go okay. on a date with. Um, and Gamble was the oldest, and Wood was the youngest. So, mm-hmm. He was a snob and considered an outcast for being a snob. Because, you know, rich boys... Right. Mm-mm. Rich white boys at that, you know? That just... It's a specific culture that I fucking hate. Um, yeah. Since he had no discipline at home, he had a DWI, driving while intoxicated, charge. Um, and while he was being detained, he demanded a lawyer while resisting. And guess what? Hmm. You just pay the money and you're good. Randy, uh, Randy Wood and Heather Rich were impressed by Bagwell's wealth. Heather once commented... Th like, shortly before her death, actually, that she flirted her way into his white Dodge Stealth for the upcoming home, uh, homecoming parade. Wow. Yeah, in, like, two weeks. Yeah. So, he sounds like a lot less lucky Nicholas Kurt, but that's all I can say about that. Y'all can Google. <clears throat> Let me catch the name, so. So, yeah, that was the murder of Heather... Rose Rich, and I'm just glad that white boys actually got held accountable, I guess. Yeah, and it's probably because it was an FBI case. But let's talk about how they were in Ardmore, Oklahoma, with a member of the public as a hostage at a gas station for several hours, and none of them were shot. Can we talk about that real quick and how bec they were white? But, like, a yeah. black kid who has a cell phone gets shot because they think it's a knife or a gun. Yeah. Literally escaped convicts. With murder charges. With murder charges are armed holding someone hostage don't get shot. But black kids playing in a park get shot. I don't like the police. So, other than that, how you doing? Pretty good. Pretty <laughs> good. Pretty good. I'm having weird dreams tonight. Okay. Do you have any fun facts? No, we haven't done those in a while. I know. I forgot about them for a couple episodes. I have one today. Okay. Is it happy fun facts? <laughs> um, why would it ever be? No. Oklahoma has the largest population of indigenous peoples of any other state than of any state in the nation. <laughs> Yet we're still racist ba racist bastards. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how you feel about it? Once again, I hate to be white. Yeah, well you're Russian, so I'm exempt. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're, you're the kind of white no one wants to be. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you uh, very much. I love you too. Um, Pluggables? 
Well, I just had a fun fact. Give me a second. Okay. Um, 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 oh yeah, the, uh, Noble Admin Building, mm-hmm. like, School Administration's Building, before that was a high school, I'm sorry, was a junior high school, then it was a public school, and the first thing it was, was a National Guard Armory. That is a really obscure, random Oklahoma fact, and I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, pluggables. Um... Microbolic 3 on TikTok. Uh, we occasionally record these live. Yeah, sometimes. And you might even get a heads up about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's really it for you on social media, yeah, though. You don't... I don't social. And that's perfectly okay. I'm proud of you for breaking the habit of trying to plug your Facebook like you ever hey, did Hey, I could plug it. my BattleNet account. <laughs> No. <laughs> I, I don't care. I'm not on it enough anyways. Okay. So you can find us on Facebook or Instagram and email us about how we're wrong or your strange stories, uh, oklamastrange at gmail.com. Donate as little as $1 to our cash app, hashtag oklamastrangers, and become a producer. Thank you to executive producer Andrew Wilmers, who reminds me to do an episode every week because otherwise I'd forget. Um, executive producers Stephanie Cordrake, Lynn and Katie Sanders Producers Holly Arbrough, Taylor Kelly, Eli Cook, Jay England, Kelly England, Amber Walters, Faye Sanders, Chelsea Mears I think I'm saying her last name right I don't know for sure Thank you William Bohannon for the theme And y'all check out Uncanny Dispatch for some really fun, weird, and terrible things That might be better or worse than this one (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know. Nightmare fuel. Yep. They did a really, the Exorcist episode is probably my favorite. Anyway, stay safe and stay strange.